We try to hustle him out of his gadgets every episode, and every episode it's the same damn answer. Nope. Please. Wednesday, July 24th, 2013. This is episode number 64 of Yats. Every week, Wednesday night, yatinartechshow.com. Check it out. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me this evening, a whole bunch of people. Starting off with Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? What's going on, Mr. Lee? How you doing, man? We also got Chris Miller joining us. What's up, Chris? <laughs> Hola, como esta? We got Larry Press also joining us. What's up, Larry? Not much. I think Chris got a guy I knew we should do it in Spanish. The whole show dubbed in Espanol. We really should appeal to that demographic. Uh, Mike Mike Rothman also joining hey, us. Hey guys, good to see you all tonight. And Nick Carroll, what's up, Nick? Howdy, folks. So basically, Nick. covering the West Coast, starting with Mike, all the way to the East Coast, where Ant uh, is, and everywhere in between. Got all the we time got zones. It covered. All the time zones covered. Awesome. Uh, join us on Yats TV if you want to hang out in the chat live while we do these shows. Uh, we should start out, I guess, the, the two big announcements. We talked about uh, a lot about the Motorola Verizon announcement last night on AOTA, uh, the different droids that they announced, uh, not the Moto X, but the, the basically it's the same phone, but three different sizes, three different prices, uh, the Max, the Ultra, and the Mini. Uh, curious, any of you guys really care about this announcement, or you want to more focus on the Google announcement? Anyone of Verizon? droid fan <laughs> anyone my first phone was a droid so i mean i i liked the brand up to the droid x the x2 was crap and everything since has been I cared about it yesterday but i've moved on <laughs> yeah pretty much yesterday's Mike, news yeah when is the x the moto x gonna come out so i don't august 1st for it well it'll be announced august 1st right or fourth and available we don't know right but it'll at least be described August 1st. And everyone's kind of like going from what the droids are going to have built into them with the the chips that are listening, dedicated, always on stuff. Kind of extrapolating from that some of the Moto X features. Uh, the notification thing I think is kind of cool, I guess. It reminds me of the old school flip phones that have the clock on the one side and then it'll show you who's calling, like in that tiny LED screen. But... Yeah, Ant, are you uh, your Verizon? Do you care about any of these droids? Or are you still happy with the GeneX or what? Well, I I didn't hear all of the specs on the show on um, Attack of the Androids, um, but if it's anything like the Moto X, I'm probably going to be holding on to my GeneX for a while. It's uh, kind of a new processor that all three of them share: two or five inch uh, displays, but only 720p. And the third one, the Mini, is uh, 720p, but at 4.3 inches. But uh, they're all roughly the same with the exception of the Max. Well, the Max so has is, a huge battery. So there is a 5-inch display? Two of them. One on the Ultra, which is the normal version, and the Max, which is that same except, extended like, battery. Larger battery. Same yeah, hardware, like just milliamp. yeah, larger yeah. battery. 
Okay, and we were well, kind of bought me then. We were kind of assuming the 720p displays was to boast the the battery life that they were getting. That we didn't really think, or I didn't really think that they could get uh, that 48 hour talk time. Which who knows what that's going to turn into once you kick LTE on and and you're using the screen and everything. But nobody talks on the phone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that they still measure. They're like, "What's our biggest benchmark? What looks the most impressive?" They're like, "Uh, talk time, sir." Bill, that's brilliant. Talk time it is. Send it well, out. Two other, two other things. It's got like an AMOLED screen as opposed to IPS, and it's got sort of like a custom chipset. If any of you guys ever remember like the Commodore Amiga, had like a few extra chips that do different things. Math kind of the same problem. thing here. It's like a dual-core processor, quad-core GPU, and then two other cores doing miscellaneous things. So they're saying that's those two other cores were for the always on listening and it's it's doing I forget what they call it. They had some flashy name for it. Na- one was natural language processing or something. Yeah, what was the other one called? Like sensing, yeah. Yeah. Intuitive well, in case, sensing. I, I might be interested in. I mean I Go just want something max. bigger. Go for the max. Thirty five hundred milliamps and uh it looks like it's designed to be relatively energy efficient. So I mean the eight core sounds cool, but does it really deliver a better end-user experience? I guess my HTC One X has two cores, and I probably don't stress those things at all. Yeah. Uh, yet the phone gives me overall a great user experience. Yeah, I think we are coming to the point where you don't necessarily need a top-of-the-line smartphone to get a pretty good performance. So. As long as it has at least two gigs of RAM, I think that's the one thing the Galaxy Nexus is really like dying of is only having that one gig. One gig. Yeah. Having that extra gig makes Android. I don't know why it, it makes it run so much more smoothly. Do you want to take that or <laughs> we patch them in? All right, so well, let's uh, let's move on. And you had a a what? Go ahead. Was it was this a Motorola brand? What was this? Yeah, it was the the Droid. Okay. Verizon Moto Droid. The Verizon exclusive Motorola, yeah. Okay. So it's going to have their bloat on it some some type of Motorola. Oh, of course. Look and feel. Of okay. course. Cool. So we saw an interesting meme that you made Ant about the new Nexus 7. <laughs> <laughs> so we had the we had the Google breakfast with Sunday uh, this morning. Man, I started watching that 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 show uh, or whatever you want to call it, and that show. I, I watched that <laughs> podcast. I started I started watching the announcement and and it just I just went meh almost from the get go, you know, and and I eventually got interrupted because you know of course I was working, um, so I eventually got interrupted and. Went back and looked at it for a few more minutes and finally decided, you know what, I'll just read up on it later and see what's going on with Android 4.3. But far as the actual tablet itself, I got an extra camera on it. I got 1080p on it uh, instead of what I have now on my current Nexus. Um, it's slightly thinner than what I currently have. So that's really going to make me run and go get a brand new one. No, it's not. This still well, makes me glad I have my 10. Like, well, I, it mm-hmm. holds up after this iteration on the 7 still, I feel like. I could try to bring up a few other selling points if you're interested. Well, I'm sure. Now, don't get me wrong. To, the speakers to... and stuff that they were talking about, that that is, you know, I was pissed about my speakers this morning because I was trying to enjoy <laughs> uh, uh, Orange is the New Black and my freaking speakers are muffled because of holding it. 
Now, yeah. yeah, I give them that. But overall, it's still not enough to make me go and buy a new one. Nick, okay, do you think you can... Give me one minute. Can you wow him? In one minute, can can you well, wow him? Well, come on, salesman, Nick. Right. Let's hear it. Okay. Wow him yeah, in one me, minute. Let me break it down. All right, so it's it's got the same uh, CPU that the Nexus 4 does, same speed and everything, same GPU. It's supposedly 80% faster in terms of, like, the CPU, but up to 400% faster in terms of the GPU. It's uh, twice as much RAM. Uh, it's got more than twice as many pixels on screen. Uh, it's uh, 323 PPI, which right now is the most uh, pixels on any tablet. Um, let's see, it's 5% thinner and less depth, roughly 5%. Um, what else? Um, the only downside I see really is it's got 10% less battery, but it's supposed to be a lot more efficient. So supposedly, <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that goes. But uh, They call that spin sales, Nick. I believe I believe you're correct on that. Uh, also, it's got a, a, a new type of video output called the Slim Port, which is kind of like HDMI, but without the licensing. It's got the dual uh, stereo speakers. So, like instead of like like with this Nexus, you have two uh, stereo speakers here. You have essentially two and two, and that's why you get the virtual surround sound. It's also got Dolby 5.1 support, and uh, what else? And of course, the, you know that additional five megapixel camera in the back, which admittedly few people will use, except in a baseball game. And and uh, Android four point three. Yeah, which obviously you can get on the original hey, get four three. You could have it right now on your GNX, honestly. Yeah. There's like two other sensors. One of them is an ambient light sensor. The other one is a compass, which I've used a compass app. I'm not sure exactly what exactly that does, but uh, and lastly, it's got a notification light. Yay! That's all I got. Well, actually, there's more. It's got 4G LTE support for three different carriers. AT&T, that's, that's big. That's Verizon, big. That's big. And T-Mobile. Um, you can probably get Edge or the equivalent on Sprint, but they don't officially support that. Um, it's also a dual-band Wi-Fi instead of just the 2.4 gigahertz variety. It's got the 5G as well, mm-hmm. so that'll help. And also, it's got, even though it's thinner, it's got wireless charging built in. So you can use any T-compatible uh, uh, wireless charger on it. So, uh, and it's available at a lot more uh, uh, store locations. So now that's all I've got. I'm done. So far, Nick, still not enough. <laughs> I tried. Okay, how about this? Compared to the other tablets out there, the only two that are, in my opinion, better in it, better than that on the uh, Android side are, like, the uh, Sony Sony Xperia Z that uh, Chris yeah. actually reviewed a couple weeks ago, yeah. and uh, the Nexus 10, which Matt of course owns. Yeah. Um, the only one that's comparable outside of that would be the Note 8, but realistically, there's too many areas that this pulls that away outside of the pan. So in terms of the Android tablet space right now, this is the best 7-inch tablet you can get, bar none, and it's very comparable to the only other two 10-inch tablets that compare. Yeah. The Samsung tab series they all suck so mm-hmm. you know what later, so. i think i just might get a nexus 7 first gen, uh, first gen. If, this, if this had been a job interview for uh, best buy i think i'd have hired you yeah <laughs> i did actually good. work for them for three and a half years He's and i safe for three and a half years so yeah but no i'm thinking i would i'm thinking i would get another um first gen because i'm assuming the prices are just going to keep dropping and they're going to drop we have those yeah. too yeah so <laughs> yeah what what is the relative price difference are they they're still selling the first one right 
Um, mm -hmm. Not on the Google Play Store, but I'm sure other stores still have it in stock at Best Buy, Walmart, etc. So probably like, I'll pick seventy dollars. Yeah, probably fifty or more dollars uh, minimum difference, like sixteen gig versus sixteen gig, probably fifty dollar difference, something like that. Craigslist, here I come. <laughs> now I'm not sure I caught the uh, the benefits of four point three. The one yep. thing that I remembered was the security as far as um, locking down the extra accounts on there. Um, OpenGL uh, 3 support. I'm trying to think of the other things. There were a few other things, but I don't think that, to me at least, was as significant as like the Nexus 7 or the, the mm -hmm. thing, the, the Chromecast stuff. Chromecast, yeah. And even that, what it's, and then again, it's probably because I'm already a partial cord cutter. The Chromecast didn't necessarily... Wow me because I do all of that stuff with Google TV right now, you know. Yeah, but a yeah. lot of people don't. That, yeah. That price, that's going to be a. Fun but thirty-five dollars, yeah, that's a. That's Apple's going to get there. Are, are we getting into the Chromecast now? Are we? Yes, sir. Let, we let, let's hear. We done with the phone? Go yes. ahead. It wasn't a phone; it was a tablet. Are we done with the thing? Yes. <laughs> let's hear the Chromecast. What do you think, Chris? I think that. For those that don't want to invest in an Apple TV, they're anti-Apple, or those that don't understand a Roku, they will sell it. It already sold out today from the Play Store. First round done, sold out, over. So right there, it lets you know there's a demand from the geeks to see it and touch it and play with it. For 35 bucks. people will waste $35 for a device like this. Yeah, and they will. Agreed. <laughs> yeah, and it hooks to your Wi-Fi, just like Apple TV, just like the Roku, everything else. And any device that runs Chrome... Any, which would lead me to believe the iPads, not a Chrome mm -hmm. OS, but just a Chrome browser, can stream content to it. Yep. So why would I not have it plugged straight into the side of my HDMI? It's not another device. It's flat mount on the side. I'm already on my devices. I, I don't see what the downside to this is yet. No, I didn't say there's a downside. I just said for it's not going to be interesting to a customer and like me. Let, holy, let me open one up. Picture this. It. What can't you do with an Apple TV or a Roku that you could do with this device? They're probably like streaming with the Google Play stuff, maybe. Let's, mm -hmm. let's even go a step beyond that. Let me think this. All the shows that are on Hulu that are web-only are now streamable to your TV. That's true. Yeah, because right now I'm doing a workaround. Right. That's a whole new catalog. Plus, if it supports something like Plex, it's mm -hmm. a whole other opportunity for everybody to be able to stream content easily. And if your TV has four HDMI ports for 35 bucks. I'm going to have yeah. a Roku and this Chrome key. Absolutely. Yeah. Roku supports Plex. Yeah. Roku supports Plex. built into your Roku. Right. And I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, you go to Hulu and it goes, oh, it's only available on the web. And you go, what kind of crud is that? Well, not anymore. Oh, it is? Mm -hmm. Here, forget you. And then that's, you stream it. Yeah, that's what's up. I give you that. So those two things for 35 bucks, it's done. Yeah. I, I'll say for me personally, I'm going to be getting a Roku 3 for my daughters on uh for their TV and on my television set over here, I'll be getting that, the Chromecast for, just for me, just to play with it and try it out. It's only $35, as you said. Yeah. Right. What were you saying, Larry? I'm, we've got Rokus everywhere, but we've got some open HDMI ports. My, I'm going to get one immediately. Right. Most that, TV, what Chris just said, it's a no-brainer. Absolutely. Yeah. Most TVs have what now, the newer ones? At least two. Yeah, these are yeah, two, but most of them have like four ones. now. The yeah, big TV has three. Cool. Yeah, the small Vizios will have two that you get from Walmart. So you'll get two with that, and you're getting a 
36 inch for $300 with, you know, at least two HDMI ports on it nowadays. And don't, don't you think Google is going to have these things built into the next Roku and the next everything else? I mean, it doesn't have to be an independent thing. Even. I don't think it's going to be that detailed yet. I think you'll see televisions building it in. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Except do you want all that stuff in the TV? Don't you want to have the TV be just a simple display and just plug stuff like that into it? Well, I have... Like, I, I keep the, the displays for 10 years. Not to monopolize this, but right now, I can easily, uh, on the Roku or the Xbox, see my file server in the house, stream any movie I want. On the Samsung TV with built-in ability to do Netflix and Hulu and all that, it has a video streaming app. Have you ever read the specifications from these idiots? It is so specific, I can't stream any of the videos that play on every other device in the house. Mm -hmm. So I have to actually have it on something else to stream it right to the TV. People like Samsung eliminate themselves from the household network sharing. They're great for streaming content from the web, but for like videos on the filer, useless. Yeah, yeah. people not can't transcode them. Yeah, not many people seem to be interested in open standards, you know, so that is kind of a, you know, Apple, you can only play, you know, Apple-related devices on there, stuff like that, so yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I digress now. <laughs> does, does Google make money selling that thing for $35, or do they just do it to... That's what I wonder. Where, where are they going to gain the money at? Is it from somehow just from the app store, I assume? 30 not like how Amazon does it with their stuff? Well, not, yeah. So stream, you buy a movie from them, right? You rent yeah. a movie, you rent a TV show. But Watch look, YouTube. Do you really think that device is anywhere near $35 in cost? Oh, no. Probably it's, probably, it. it's probably about 50 cents. They got them. They 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 spent fifty cents a bushel in Taiwan somewhere. Well, no. Keep in mind, it it no no it. So it has some sort of engine in it because it also connects it has Chrome, right? Because it also yeah. connects the Wi-Fi. Yeah. So it's probably hackable in some way, not in a bad way, but you can do stuff. But what seven bucks with the hardware, with the HDMI connector, with the software on it. Six or seven bucks. So they're definitely they're, hackable since they touted the SDK during this presentation as well. So they, they want you, know. you to build stuff for it. Yeah. So you know, what's uh, what's ironic is it's like the what is it the Nexus Q last year? It's like that, but much smaller and cheaper. So it's amazing. And where is that Q, by the way? It's gone. Oh, it's retired. You know, it, it's. Mm. Wonder thinking Ben ever saw his. Because <laughs> I remember he ordered it and never saw it at one point in time. So did anyone buy? Was able to buy one today? Who bought one? The Chrome key. I didn't. I mean, I'm, I'm oh, buying it on the next paycheck, which is next. I probably paycheck. will. I mean, could I go out there now? Did they sell out? It sold out. Yeah. It sold and, on the Play Store. And Best Buy is over two weeks out, and Amazon did not have it online as of earlier today. I was actually working earlier today. Oh, <laughs> Hey, that doesn't bother Ant. I don't see why it bothers you. Come on. Are you saying I wasn't, even though I got one monitor? You know I'm just putting on airs. <laughs> Working means napping in Mike's world over there. He was yeah, You got it. Don't don't worry, Mike. Your superior is probably not watching right now. <laughs> so, so if we go across the bottom, do we have we have agreements? Everyone says for thirty five bucks it's worth the investment. Absolutely. Oh yeah. I think so. For our listeners and viewers, if you don't have $35 in your pocket, his name is Ant, Ant Pruitt. He will donate. How many, Ant? I might donate a third. <laughs> a third? A third of one? 
A third of 1,000 devices from Ant Pruitt. Uh, no, not so much. Not so much. For 35 bucks, everyone, you should get your hands on it. Uh, picture streaming from any tablet, your phone, anything. You're already on the same Wi-Fi network. I don't like that it, it, it... I do like that it's thin and small and even folds. If you notice one of the pictures, it actually looked like it folded. So right. the HDMI was sideways, so you could have a flush mount TV. Right. But, because that concerned me, with TVs that had limited wall space and HDMI in the back, it folds. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for 35 bucks, if you can't stream stuff from a tablet, then don't you shouldn't be on the net. <laughs> well, still talking about TV, Larry, you put up on your blog um, the online coverage for the for the 2013 Tour de France from NBC. Yeah. What was you talking uh, about on that? Yeah, I watched it. I'm a Tour de France net, and so I watched it on uh, two ways. I watched it on NBC and I watched it on ITV. ITV4 from the UK, and uh, I'm proud to say that NBC kicked their butt. Oh well, wait a minute! Did you you say it from the UK? Did you have to use a proxy or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of uh, I did the same thing for the Olympics, and is I'll watch like okay. To be fair, in the 2012 Olympics, NBC didn't do so well. BBC kind of had a way nicer setup than they did. Uh, but yeah, I just watch it through a proxy. And the deal is, to be fair to NBC, uh, or to be fair to uh, UK, they you had to pay $29 to watch it on NBC. But for that $29, you got a much better experience. They actually, like the TV and the uh, the British thing, they just streamed the, the video. It was just like watching it on TV. They didn't capture anything, so you couldn't stop, pause, rewind. Um, you couldn't see the... They didn't. They didn't evidently pay enough that they could store it and keep it online, so you couldn't go back and see what happened the day before. It it was so really the, it was crappy, and it so was twenty nine dollars. So with the twenty nine dollars, you pretty much got a, a the twenty nine dollars production you got greatly reduced commercials. There was some advertising, but way less. Yeah, it, it was just bizarre. At, at one point on the British deal, they ran nine commercials without stopping. Uh, oh, they would gosh. just run huge. Yeah, it's, oh, I don't know if, uh, you know, this cord cutting thing, one of the things it does is makes you really intolerant to commercials. Oh, yeah. I hate commercials now. Yes. They yeah, really irritate really the hell out of me. And uh, so it was bizarre. It was so bad. But, yeah, no, the NBC coverage was, was good, and they, they kept the, you know, as of right now, the, all the races and all the tons of, uh, you know, highlight films and crash reels and all the, uh, you know, human interest things, they're all still online. But unfortunately, at least last year, they took all that stuff down real quickly, and I'm afraid they'll do it again. And that's a real waste. I mean, that's throwing away history. Uh, they, I don't know how, my, how, how the economics work out, but they should keep stuff like, like they took the Olympics all down. Uh, that, that should stay forever. And if I they do, you. they can charge a little bit to watch it, whatever. I don't see why they would get rid of that stuff because it's, like you said, it's historical. And then yeah. you look at somebody like the NFL, the big cash cow it is, yeah. you can always find their old historical games for nothing. Yeah. I, it must be a business decision It's because it's not a, a good for the benefit of the world decision and it's not a, you know, it just there's no technical reason they couldn't do it. Oh, it's a, it's a business decision. They don't. They, they want you watching their broadcast channels. Yeah, but should, Mike, I would. It, why don't they just leave it there and show ads with it at the start or something? Or, uh, or, 
even charge it or look back at it, but why totally zap it? These are people that are, yeah. are hanging desperately on to the old model yeah. and, and don't want to let it go. And they don't get the Internet, and they don't want to get the Internet. Yeah, you know, I thought – I'm sorry. Go ahead, Larry. Well, I was going to say, like during the Olympics, BBC really seemed to get the Internet. Uh, yeah, it was yeah. not watching TV. It was, it was very yeah. interactive in many ways. But even they took it down, the archives down. I can't remember after a month or two. So I can't help thinking that it's the Olympic Committee that owns the rights and, and makes them do that. And in the case of Tour de France, the guys that put that on, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, that, that is weird. It is weird. It is weird. I mean, come on. It's the long tail, right? Amazon taught us that lesson. It doesn't cost anything to have things that people like. You know, even if the Olympics or the bike race from 20 years ago, somebody's going to want to watch it. Somebody's going to want to watch it. Yeah. And, and, you know, in my case, I can understand if it costs them some money or they need to get some money. Then they can charge me to watch it on a pay-per-view, or they can put commercials on it. You know that's fair, a little bit. But uh, to erase it is just—that's sad. It's just sad. You know, I've yeah. I've sort of assumed NBC was going to be ahead of the curve as far as uh, web content and uh, putting sports out there on online and whatnot. After they got a hold of Universal Sports a couple of years ago, because Universal Sports was sort of a I guess you could say forward thinking and stuff like that yeah. when it comes to their sports broadcast. And it's like, huh, NBC is interested in this kind of stuff? What's going to happen? You know, well, but, I don't know. Like I, I said, my guess is that the constraint was the uh, guys that put on the Tour de France. The, the committee. Maybe they wouldn't even let them uh, keep it after a little while. But, so and it must have been that they charged more money, or else the British guys would have at least captured the content during the race. But they wouldn't even let them show uh, like I said, they didn't let them buffer it at all. They just streamed it out and it was gone. Mm. And that really sucks. That's really a bad experience. That's just like seeing it on TV, period. <laughs> you know, welcome to 1946. You know, going back to the Google uh, event this morning, you know when we upgraded um, Google Hangouts, it allows the, the live streams to be able to, have a rewind feature on it, you know, and you could do that with with their event today. But sadly, when things sort of died down at the office and I tried to go back and watch it again, you know they took it down. Yeah, I wasn't even on their uh, page anymore. That was Gone. kind of frustrating, yeah. Like, come on, this is Why your content on your site, you know, on your, you know, on your YouTube service. Everybody <laughs> wants to see it. Where'd it go? You know. That's really weird. Didn't quite get that. Because hey, that, that's all. Yeah, that's under their control, not like yeah, that. Yeah, it's theirs. <laughs> I didn't quite get it. Speaking speaking about total fails in the tech world, we were hearing this week about uh, Apple's uh, developer site, which was alternately described as undergoing an overhaul and <laughs> having been busted by hackers. I think... <laughs> I think Apple eventually has come clean on that story and admitted that their developer site was hacked. And there was yeah, they, no way they were going to say that up front. No, we didn't get hacked. Wasn't it a security <laughs> researcher that did it, though? Did I read that? that yeah, Apple yes. came free, uh, uh, yeah, revealed information that they actually did it, and they detailed how they exploited it, but I don't, I don't remember the details personally. So. 
But you know, again, if this was something that was done by ethical hacking, why would it be news? Well, here he goes. Uh, he claims, and this is from InfoWorld, that it was ethical, good intentions. So they explain an intruder broke into the website to steal registered developers' personal information. Uh, you said that they're already overhauling it. A Turkish security researcher named Ibrahim Balik claimed credit for it. He only had white hat intentions. But definitely white hat, of course. Um, he got paid off, man. You think? He got paid off to say that. Well, it was only developer accounts and not iTunes accounts. They were compromised. No credit card data was stolen. But some developers have reported receiving unsolicited password reset requests. He says, I found the bug and 12 other bugs. I have a video on YouTube, but uh, my uh, credentials have been extracted from their database. You know, if this was such a white hat event or whatever, why don't we hear about people like Wells Fargo? you know, or, or Bank of America displaying, you know, okay, we, we've had some ethical hacking, hacking to try to improve our security for our online banking services, and this is what was reported. You know, there's a whole lot more people interested in that in the tech world and outside of the tech world, you know, because that's their money on the line. Yeah, Apple is big, but do people really give a crap like they would if this was a bank or something? There's well, no have, way this was planned. This well, was, a lot of think about a lot of developers have credit card data built in because you have to pay for the developer, you know, program. He says I had access to a hundred thousand Apple developers, but I only took seventy-three users' details. They're all Apple workers. But I screenshot everything. I saved everything. I showed the bug tracking I did, and basically says Apple was never responding to me. So. And Apple and Apple sent their guys out there with their with their crowbars and, and found this dude. Sent yeah, this, is, this is Apple. This is the Apple PR machine going yeah. into hyperdrive. Yeah, it's like. Do, do you think if they responded to him, he would maybe have not released this information, or do, do you think that's what prompted him to do that? I'm serious. I, I think Odu got paid off to say, "All right, I, this was I, testing." I think the dude had a little visit from some guys at Apple who, yeah. who said, Vinny. with crowbars. Hey, dude, we can do this the easy way or we can do the hard way. Yeah. You know, it's up to you, dude. We can break only one leg. You got two. We can, yeah. we can do uh-huh. that. Did you so guys hear about the, um, y- y'all hear about the Ubuntu forums getting hacked as well? The support forums? Just, tell, tell. I, d- I don't understand why they got hacked because that site, all it is is for people that have loaded up Ubuntu on their computers and just trying to figure out how to do this and that. It's a bunch of folks trying to help out one another. Um, there's ne- not necessarily talking about buying apps and things of that nature. It's just, it's a real deal community. Why in the world would somebody want to, to attack probably, that? I, probably I because of it. Uh, I've been on uh, forums in the past where a friend of mine basically hacked them and then told the admin how he did it, and you know they eventually fixed it. You know, but probably because it's easier. It's probably easier than maybe mm-hmm. hacking a bank or Apple or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh man, come on. And I got a little email yesterday, I believe, about it because of course I'm part of the forums and so I've been running it for I don't know how many years now. Dual boot that is. But it just it just rubbed me the wrong way. It's like, man, what is the world coming to if even open source stuff like this is just getting attacked for no reason? There's nothing there. 
I mean, we're the hippies of the OS. It's kind of pure sport hacking. It's not greedy criminal hacking. There's no. Yeah. They just did it because they felt like it, right? Yeah. Just to see if they just could, kind of thing. You know. Yeah, sucks, man. What's next uh, on our magic list? Well, let's go back to Mr. Educational System himself. The results of the San Jose uh, State Cosera trial. What can you tell us about it, Mr. Mr. Larry? Well, the first thing I can tell you is that when I typed that in, I mistyped. It was Udacity, not Coursera. Oh, it was Udacity. Okay. Yeah, but it's the same difference. Yeah, um, there have been a cut. Udacity's entered into a couple of experiments where universities are going to give credit. We talked about one the other day, last time, I think, that Georgia Tech was going to offer a master's degree in right. computer science. Like eight grand or something crazy. Seven K plus you had to take a couple of courses to get into it, but way cheaper than than doing it on campus. But they'd also been doing one with San Jose State at a very different kind of a level, like freshman uh, statistics uh, or, you know, introduction to statistics. Um, there was one was college algebra and, and another course, three courses, low-level courses, where the kids could take the course at Coursera and get credit for it as if they'd taken it at San Jose State. And there was a lot of value around that, that, hey, California's going to, uh, you know, going to really – Save a lot of money in the in the school system by by doing that stuff online, and the results came in from the first class. They compared the Coursera kids to kids that had taken it face to face, and bottom line is the Coursera kids did very poorly, so they yeah. put the thing on hold. I thought that was Udacity. All right, yeah, that's true. You can <laughs> you use it. <laughs> okay, you guys, just search and replace every <laughs> time I say Coursera. Think Udacity. For those that are reading the text-to-speech translation, he's saying Udacity. Yeah. Oh, yes. But anyhow, it is Udacity. But they're, they're, they're kind of backpedaling a little bit. They're saying, well, it's just on hold, and yeah, we learned a lot. We're going to redo it in 2014. I don't know, in the fall or which, which semester. So they haven't given up on it. But um, anyhow, it was not a, a great thing. And, and the thing that really struck me, if you read that blog post, more than that is their criteria for comparing the two is how many students pass with a grade of C, the percent passing of the grade of C. Mm -hmm. And the thing that occurs to me that, you know, that is last, last century's thinking. If you take a freshman statistics class and you get a C, that means you didn't understand half the stuff that you were supposed to learn. Exactly. Yeah, you know, I mean, I've taught introduction to statistics. Believe me, a lot of them don't. So the thing is, at this, at this <laughs> but, um, the thing is, we've got the technology now, and I've been on this hobby horse for years, and people are doing it. And you know, the unit of, of understanding is not the course, it's the concept or the module or the skill. So a statistics course should be taught in, in 40 little modules, and to pass that course, you got to pass each module one at a time. I, that's the way I think the world, you know, it can be that way because of the Internet, and I think it should be that way. And, hey, maybe it even will be that way one day. Um, so that yeah. was the most striking thing to me, what a crude measure of success they were using. Um, and I remember taking my stats class however many years ago, and that's about all I remember about stats was taking the class. Did you take it? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you yeah. one thing about it anymore. It it kicked my butt back then, and 
there was I did enough to where I could pass. That was about yeah. it. Yeah, you're the stat. You remember ten percent of it. Yeah, <laughs> I don't even think it's ten percent. Yeah, so anyhow, I think that it was. I think it's they're still doing a broken thing. I think somebody like the Khan Academy is is much more taking advantage of the technology and breaking things down into modules. And I've been doing that in my own teaching for shit, fifteen years now. Uh, a lot of little modules, no textbooks. It's not a course, it's a collection of modules. Yeah, yeah that's what happened. It, the, Jerry Brown got a little egg on his face, the governor of California, because they were counting on this really big to be a, what he calls silver bullet and save the education system. But it, it missed the target on this shot. Goodness. Larry, is, the, is it possible to put a spin on this that uh, the the failing of mocks is that some large percentage of participants sign up and then don't really participate. Okay, I've got a, uh, okay two things. One, this wasn't uh, a MOOC, a massively open online course. They were using MOOC-like material running on the Udacity platform, not Coursera, uh, but in fact, Mike, it was a small class. They, I forget how many people did. It was not a massive class. It was a small class. Uh, so this, it's not really fair to call this a MOOC, even though it ran on a MOOC platform. As to the other thing, that the idea of that MOOCs, uh, a lot of people sign up, including me. I've signed up for way more MOOCs than I've ever seriously taken. And yeah, I've never really completed one ever. Because I think the, those dropout rates are misleading. It, you shouldn't look at the enrollment figures as enrollment. You should look at them as people browsing and yeah. sort of start the enrollment clock maybe after the third session. Those are the people that are taking it. Yeah. And the numbers get much less spectacular. It's not 150,000 or 100,000. But hey, man, it's still seven or eight thousand, and that's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people, and not only that, I've got a whole blog post on this with some back of the envelope uh, spreadsheet calculations. Um, I think it's that the real money-making business is not going to be replacing universities and giving degrees, but just teaching curious people that are willing to pay as much to take a course as they are to, uh, you know, go to a movie on a Saturday night. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I think, and you know, an industrial training where somebody wants to pick up a specific skill. I think that that kind of stuff uh, it can really make a lot of money if you can bring in, you know, thousand, couple thousand people in a course. Um, that turns into big bucks. So, I can put a link in the show notes to a whole long wrap on that. Um, I want to say I remember seeing like to a, see a graph okay, um, several episodes back. Because um, you sort of hinted on this about the stat of people being in there for that, you know, just for the short term and realizing, you know what, eh, this ain't for me. Bye. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was like a massive jump drop off. You know. Yeah. Yeah. See, if, if I were Coursera or Udacity or somebody trying to make money at it, I would say, okay, the first two three weeks are free, and but after that you gotta pay twenty bucks. You know, and that's how much it costs to go to the movies these days to get a hot dog. Yeah. Uh, and a person that that's going to stay around and, and do the next seven weeks and put in the time to do it, 20 bucks is going to be, you know, it's going to be cheap uh, per hour of entertainment. If you, I think of it as entertainment as well as, well as edu, 
Or they say edutainment or something. Edutainment. Edutainment. Yeah. Is there like, a, is there like an optimal amount of time that this is an area I'm not terribly familiar with. I've only taken one online course, but is there like an optimal amount of time it takes to learn a set amount of material? Like, say you're learning a class, how well does it benefit stressing that over four months, or is it something you can do in like a couple months or six weeks? Well, I don't. It, it would depend on the on the subject matter and the and what what the topic was. So that's another thing. You're 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 free from this idea that okay, a semester is 15 weeks or a quarter is 10 weeks. Um, just, you know, it's going to be as long as it takes. But I think one thing that, that's really coming out of this is breaking stuff up into little chunks and not going on to chunk two till you understood chunk one is a sensible thing to do. And how long it takes is, is how fast you can kind of work through the chunks, you know. So it's a more, much more flexible thing time-wise. Yeah. Yeah, that may that may actually be the sort of the power behind the uh, the disruption is the ability to take your chunks at your speed. At your speed, yeah. And but you know a lot of the MOOCs again that are oriented toward university education as opposed to training or just self you know self uh, self and edutainment, uh, they often are are keyed to a class, so they'll. They do keep up the sort of okay assignments are due on Friday every week and the lectures are on you know go live on such a day and they, and they'll even run it in parallel. A lot of them are run in parallel with a face-to-face class, which also has some intriguing possibilities of uh, kind of trying to blend the two a little bit. But, so people are just figuring this. This is a real time of innovation in uh, online education. And how it's going to all shake out, and how it's going to affect universities, and how it's going to affect job recruiting, um, we don't, we won't know. But it's all one big system. Well, thanks to uh, to Google, the uh, residents of San Francisco can now take their educational chunks in city parks. Cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, the news today is Google is uh, funding. Uh, Free wireless for two years in 31 San Francisco parks, which is pretty cool. But it's, you know, I've been holding out for Google to, to launch their fiber service in the Bay Area, which would, I would, I would sign up for in a heartbeat. That's what made me wonder how how is this available and the fiber isn't just yet? Is it because it's not laid or or what? I, I don't know. I think this is kind of a sop to San Francisco. Google has a uh, Google is located just south of San Francisco, and San Franciscans are sort of put out with Google at the moment because uh, there are a lot of Googlers that live in San Francisco and ride these big enormous luxury buses down to Mountain View to work and then bring their enormous paychecks back to San Francisco and wind up gentrifying all the neighborhoods mm-hmm. so that, you know, neighborhoods that normal people used to be able to live in can now only be uh, the, uh, uh, afforded by uh, the, the uh, Google new, Nouveau Riche. All right. And uh, it, it's kind of a reputation hit in San Francisco. So my theory is this is sort of a, a Google give back for the uh, the gentrification that's going on. 
you know, and I, I always sort of thought San Francisco is like that anyway, but but you think that's just because of, well, partly because of Google and what it brought to the table and well, the Google's, of Silicon Valley. Google's yeah, not the only so. big tech company down there, though. Like, is it well, really just... No, it's not, it's not only Google, uh, of yeah. course. Google sort of draws the 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 most attention about this but right. not only tech but biotech companies are you know responsible for this Mike uh, didn't, didn't Google do do wireless uh, Wi-Fi and uh, outdoor Wi-Fi throughout Mountain View a couple of years ago is that still going Yeah so far as I know it is and uh very very popular in Mountain View you know, we need uh, Richard Hayes here to... Uh, a ton of cities have tried that. I, I worked on a deal in Hermosa Beach, which is a little town near here. Um, Long Beach, Santa Monica, at least, if not the whole cities, but areas of the cities are covered by Wi-Fi, with the city putting up them, um, running the network. Yeah, yeah. Is that stuff people actually use day-to-day, though? Because I, I see, like, everyone has... LTE or 3G at the yeah. least now like is is it necessary other than for your home base well they tell first of all everybody doesn't have LTE you guys all do well yeah, yeah true and, and a lot of normal people don't but no I don't know to answer your question I have no idea what the utilization rates are um, well, I can tell you, we've, got, we've had free Wi-Fi in our park here near the job but only because there's three lofts that leave their Wi-Fi open <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, people have free Wi-Fi out in my front yard too. <laughs> but and I know the parks in New York City have had Wi-Fi. Bryant Park had Wi-Fi was first many many years ago. You got to be careful whose Wi-Fi you get on. One of the one of the people I delivered to thought the FBI was spying on them because the neighbors got a new Wi-Fi AP. And apparently one of the kids named it FBI Surveillance One. And, like, (laughs) she literally was, like, she saw that and kind of was a little on the freak side about it. I was like, I'm pretty sure you're not being watched, but you never know. I'm going to change my SSID as soon as we hang out. I'm interesting ones, too. (laughs) That's great. People have senses of humor when it comes to that. That's That's a great one, man. So you got you guys talked about the the Google TV. Ant has one. Is it is it dead yet? With this, you guys talked about Chromecast, obviously. While I I had to leave, yeah, we talked about Chromecast, and and I don't know if it's dead. <clears throat> Excuse me, I don't know if it's dead just yet. Um, Did something still... change? Huh? Did something change with respect to Google TV? No, but I mean, I think there's still going to be a a few set-top boxes come out again because of some of the stuff with transcoding like we talked about earlier, you know. Well, there's a link from a CNET uh, on their website where they do they go into this issue. They talk about how Google uh, still, you know, carrying through with Google TV just because Chromecast does something kind of similar doesn't mean they're going to obsolete Google TV. Kind of the same is going on with Chrome OS and Android. You know, they're not... They're not going to go anywhere with Android just because they also are doing Chrome OS. So I think they're mm-hmm. still going to try to work on Google TV and make something out of it, try to make it compete better with even the Apple TV, you know. But uh, I think everyone's kind of wowed by Chromecast because it's so dirt cheap and it'll still do a fair amount. But at least from this article, Google isn't abandoning Google TV. 
Do they almost have to say that though? Like we know a bunch of you I bought think at this, this point they do, <laughs> and we're not cannibalizing it quite yet. So we're, just spring cleaning for this, maybe fall. But right. Well, let me turn it around. Why would you buy a Google TV, or if you could get a Chromecast for thirty-five bucks today? You shouldn't. That's In that case, yeah. So pretty and much same exact I use. They're, they're happy with Chromecast as it is now, but maybe they want to make Google TV something more. Even so better. maybe they just have different directions. I don't know. There you go. As our buddy Shane um, would say, just give it a more nexus treatment, you know, instead of it just sitting it out to the side and say, hey, we're updated in a couple months, you know, and it just sits there. Yeah. It's not. They're not real active about it. At least it doesn't seem like Google is active about Google TV. You know, that's why the Roku is doing so well and 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 those other, uh, what do you call them? The Bossy. Bossy's are doing all well. Yeah, Bossy. Well, Bossy yeah, well, just also, paid, didn't they? Didn't somebody buy Bossy? Yeah, I think so. I, that sounds familiar. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're not hurting either. Yeah. But, I mean, don't get me wrong. I still love my Google TV. But oh, you know what was that? I think it was Samsung bought them. Wasn't it? Yeah, That's I think it was Samsung. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That familiar. That's right. One thing to keep in mind is Google is directly behind, you know, the Chromecast, whereas other manufacturers like Asus and Samsung are hand in hand with uh, Google TV. So that's another difference. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I've been waiting on my update for my um, Hisense Pulse because it's got the microphone on it, and theoretically, it's supposed to integrate with the voice search and stuff. And I just still haven't gotten that update yet. And yeah, it was Samsung for thirty million. They got uh, acquired Boxy. Oh, okay, yeah, they got big time money. It's sort of small. Thirty million is small for somebody yeah. like Boxy, though. If well, you think yeah, about well, like what an Instagram goes for, yeah, yeah kind of. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. A little bit, yeah. maybe. That's like Netflix <laughs> getting acquired for five hundred million. Like, really? <laughs> Let's do that. I wouldn't mind starting up a product and selling it. Well, yeah, but we're not Boxy that's been around making these things for a minute well, and has see, this. I, I don't think I don't think Boxy had the masses like Instagram does. Right. Though. Let's do the math. Boxy have they sold uh, as many installations as? Well, Instagram? yeah, but that's two different things. You're talking about a piece of hardware compared to a piece of code on a web page. That's totally different. You're talking about users' names and accessibility versus. Yeah. A well, don't listen to me. <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm just nope, saying. We are not. You are correct. We are not. We are not. <laughs> What'd you say? I I wasn't listening. What? <laughs> Something about the end of the show. I I don't know. I wasn't listening either. <laughs> uh, Chris Miller, do some show and tell for us. You got some new gadgets. Uh, uh, new we're gadgets, talking about pre-show, we'll, which you'll be seeing on the reviews coming up. Uh, let's get... let's hear it for Chris Miller, the king of bling. Well, we we always get iPad cases, so everybody, if you want to, we get like billion iPad cases. You probably have a whole blanket fort made out of iPad cases at this point. It would I be just called three today. See, you see the way this works. I fort hope Miller. That I didn't buy the wrong one after I hear this review. Well, the studio <laughs> will be. Uh, the studio has a new Vanguard uh, head mount for one of the cameras. That was nice of them to send that. Ooh. Nice. But this will be the fun one for the geeks and for all of us. A Powerline 200 AV Nano adapter for uh, Ethernet over power. Ooh. So thank you to is that TrendNet that sent this one in to us to test out. So it hasn't been opened yet. still plastic shrink-wrapped. Can I have it? 
Uh, no. And um, we try to hustle him out of his gadgets every episode, and every episode it's the same damn answer. Nope. It's not the same damn answer. It sounds similar. Let's my pile, similar. my pile of crappy gadgets is getting larger. I know you can't have it. Yeah, Snook sent uh, this iPad case, and there's an identical-looking one from another company, S2E or somebody, but it looks a lot like the Snug case that they sent. So we'll be taking a look at those. But that power over Ethernet thing, we want to look at that uh, right away. And then as of next week, I'll have two more things that we'll be doing. So they all go up. So that's it's just like a powered oh. USB thing, but it's Ethernet? Is that what I, – I don't quite get what powered Ethernet – Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, it's Ethernet power. over power. You got it backwards there. Power line. So yeah, you, you pull- plug in – at each end. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Nick. Explain yeah, it. I was going to say, you basically plug one adapter into one plug in the house, and then you go like upstairs or to another room and plug in the other adapter, and it basically allows communication between the two using the power lines in your, in your house, essentially. So, so good, good examples. We used that in South Africa at World Cup. They had no way to get internet through the cement walls over to the other place. Luckily, they were on the same circuit. We plugged one. Uh, Ethernet over power plug into one from their router and then plugged ours on the other side of the house and we had e- we had beautiful connectivity. On That's the other side too of the house. cool. I've, I've never and heard of that. Here's the last one right here. Is the new? Uh, it has the word cloud on it. It <laughs> must be router. good. It must yep. be great. It says cloud on the box. And Hell yeah. Actually very soft. Yeah, D-Link from the yeah. It's it's a soft router. No, it's uh, their <laughs> new cloud router three thousand. Uh, gigabit router, dual band capability, which I kind of like. So it's a 450, 450 megabit dual band Wi-Fi speed. Okay. For watching, time. for watching things on your Chromecast, for Chromecasting. Well, here's, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna take the old Cisco, and we're gonna let like the guests and visitors to the house use that for connecting, and I'm gonna put it on its own separate little network in the house. FBI surveillance restrict- one, right? Oh yes. boy. And I'm gonna restrict them down to a bandwidth because the TP-Link router will give bandwidth controls. Then nice. I'll give the nice big gigabit ones to us internally, where we can stream and play video games and Xbox and Roku and everything else, and take the rest of the bandwidth. That's right. Because that? oh, screw the guests. I mean, are the guests paying for it? Yes, they pay just by visiting with sorrow. If I shame. was your roommate, I would totally be so mad about that. And guess what? <laughs> the more you pay, the more bandwidth you would get. Ah, That's okay. Okay, you Sprint. You can, <laughs> yeah. I, I can ISP if I want to be. <laughs> okay, but, so, AOL. Um, yeah, TP-Link, thank you then, because they actually uh, provide that capability built into their routers. So. Handy, handy. I'm done. Right That's on. It. Larry, give us a one-minute summary of the ARPANET early internet years. Go. Oh, okay. One-minute one summary. Instead of a one-minute summary, I put up that link. It's, it's a 16-minute summary of a video interview of Vince Cerf. And he talks about um, the, you know, the very start, the early work to build the ARPANET, and goes up through the transition to the, to the internet, to cut over the ARPANET to uh, TCPIP, and he goes, he goes through, I don't know, maybe 15 different people and their contributions, and it's a really concise, and uh, if, if you really aren't up on that stuff and want to have a little sense of the history, it's a really good, concise interview. I'm going to make my students watch it. No, it sounds really interesting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, uh, I really like it. So, who, who put it? Guy. Who put it together? Like, who's the uh, who did the video? Is that uh, anyone? Uh, I I Triple E, oh, okay. Institute for Electrical and Electronic Engineer yeah, Professional yeah. Society. Uh, they're doing a series of interviews, and this is one in the series. 
Oh, cool. And there's a link to the series itself, so that's that's worth checking out too. Um, and there's I also put in a link to one of my favorite all-time articles that I've written, which was I went back over that stuff and and talked to a lot of people and and did some interviews and looking stuff up to come up with the cost of the whole thing. And the bottom line is to get up all the work from uh, from the start up through getting NSFNet, <clears throat> which is what took it out to all the universities and really took off. Cost the U.S. taxpayers about a, I can't remember now, 124 thousand million dollars, which makes that a, an amazing bargain. What an investment! <clears throat> that uh, I don't know. We collectively spent that little piece of money in a very smart way, and we ended up getting the internet for it. That to me is. Uh, that's pretty cool. That's the role of kind of makes you think about, like, as an investor in your government, where all of that other money that doesn't get wisely. That's <laughs> so true. Yeah, I'm not saying all government spending is wise, and we don't. Let's not get into a political debate here. But and man, that's involved. Yeah, uh, that was a killer example of um, of a smart way to invest government money. And you know what? They didn't set up bureaucracies and do it themselves. They got some smart people to take the money and give it to some other smart people who were really part of a, a community. And you get the sense of that community from Vince's interview. Um, and they just let those people work. They didn't work government employees. They they just paid them to work at their job and build this thing. And uh, they also had a really interest, a nice advantage. They had the Internet to use as a tool to maintain their community. And, uh, so that helped, too. They ate their own dog food. So, uh, yeah. It's it's I if you guys uh, not you guys but if whoever's listening to this is you know thinks all this was invented uh, ten years ago uh, go back and watch that video and and then you can, it'll give you a lot of place to start to follow up if you want to go deeper but it's pretty self-contained it's really neat that's cool I'm sure all okay. of our friends at the NSA listening to our podcast will enjoy the link go for it NSA guys <laughs> yay. All right. Well, uh, anything else we didn't get to? Well, yeah, I got to speak of that. Did you see it came out? Somebody tried to do a Freedom of Information Act uh, request of the NSA to get copies of emails um, that their employees had exchanged with somebody. And the NSA said they have no way of going through the emails that they've got and finding them. So, uh, Boy, is that, that ironic. Yeah, really. I don't know if I... It's, it's either ironic or a huge lie. Well, I mean, or both. I or know. both. Yeah. But but I seriously need your help. My Outlook Express crashed, and I didn't <laughs> yeah, back I up any of my messages. I mean, please, like, I'll pay you. All right. Uh, Ant, you've been writing anything lately? You want to mention or plug uh, before we get out here? Um, no, not recently. Just still working with smartphone photographers and point and shoot tomorrow. tomorrow. Tomorrow mm-hmm. evening, good deal. Chris Miller, it's what are you writing? Good one. Uh, I just put up the Moto X story on a new domain, and I have a slew of product reviews coming up there. You'll find them on the YouTube Spike Studio channel. Good deal. Larry Press, your blog as usual. I'm just going to skip you, Mike Rothman. <laughs> oh, man, I put one on a new domain. I relinquish my time to Larry Press. <laughs> I put one on a new domain this week. Okay, cool. Because every time I ask you, you're always like, uh, you know, just my blog. We're like, okay, no, thanks, Larry. Like, he got Engelbart up this week. Oh, cool. Yeah, right. That was actually yeah, a good I article. I forgot about that. I'll essay coming up, too, and they ever get to it. Mike, now your turn. 
I I write uh, regularly for uh, Tech Page One. It's a it's a site uh, that uh, Dell makes possible. Check it out. Good, Nick. Uh, I podcast on a little show called Attack of the Androids okay. once a week. I thought you looked familiar. I thought you looked familiar. I we've met That's before. What's up. Okay. That's about it. I wrote an article about CryptoCat. It's on Tech Page One. If you want to check it out, it's kind of cool. Kind of, kind of like Nine Cat, but more secure. <laughs> kind of, but more secure. <laughs> it's what you hope to not see the Nine Cat while you're using. We'll put it that way. And yeah, I'm going. To, we're going to DefCon uh, next week. Crap, that's next week. So there probably won't be a show Tuesday or Wednesday if I'm there. Yeah, I'm going to probably be in Mexico and probably I will be in Mexico and probably won't have connectivity there. Good deal. Either. So. Well, we, we won't see you next week, but the week is yeah, right. next week too. Uh, well, cool. we, we will take a rare week off. Yeah, right. Let's just call it. Done. Done and done. <laughs> yeah, no, no, techshow.com. Check it out. Uh, check us out on iTunes. Write a review if you'd like. We appreciate that. Uh, and hang out with us on the Google Plus community throughout the week. All that stuff is at yet another techshow.com. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you not next week, huh? But the week after. <laughs> Two weeks. All right. Later. Another Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.